Thanks, Debbie and Mike and Scott. Great job. Childers, excellent work. Ryan went and mowed my yard yesterday. I'm not sure why. You're talking about local needs and giving. There's something you could have done, Ryan. You could have mowed my yard. One of these days, maybe. Fact is, those were steps I could take on my own. That was no big deal for me to mow my own yard. Just like there's steps of faith that I know that I must take as an individual. But think about how much easier it is when we take steps of faith together. When we make it a group effort, if you will, in going towards Jesus together. I'm so blessed right now. Like I hope that this is a joyful sermon because I've just received just... Great news, just terrific news. It's just going to make my day. And part of being in a group and a church family is I want to share that, but I can't just yet. Not just yet, but I can't wait to share it with you. Victories are happening all around us because of the group effort of Hartford Christian Church. Today I want to take a look, though, at Paul. Towards the end of the book of Acts, in chapter 27, we've been working on Acts for a long time on Sunday nights. We're coming to conclusion, but but this story really has struck me as we have gone through it. Uh, Paul's journey to Rome. We're talking about the Apostle Paul, who had gone through so much. He had been the guy that was out uh, seeking to arrest or even kill Christians. He had been the guy that had taken the word of, of the gospel message of Jesus Christ all throughout Galatia. Macedonia and Greece. Talking about the Apostle Paul who was ready at any cost to serve God and to tell people about Jesus. But he's been arrested and he's on his way to Rome. Now he's a prisoner. Now don't let's make sure we get this right now. He he's a prisoner, but he's willing. You know, he's he's not in chains. They're treating him uh, as well as you could expect a prisoner to be treated. He's going to to face trial in Rome uh, to stand before Caesar. But now this voyage across the Mediterranean uh, Sea on this boat, it's been treacherous. It's taken longer than they've expected. And today we're going to pick up his story. Uh, whenever the, the ship that he's on with 275 other people, 276 people in total, it's a pretty big ship. Uh, they have uh, a docked, maybe even for the winter, in a place called Fairhaven. But there's not a whole lot to do at Fairhaven. So the sailors and the soldiers, they want to go on up to the island, up the other side of the island of Crete, to a port called Phoenix to spend the winter. Paul warns them against this. It's winter. The seas are rough. This isn't a good idea. We'll pick up there later. But the fact is, the trouble that they're going to run into, it's going to mean that Paul's group that he's with, they're going to need teamwork in order to survive. It's going to be a group effort. And without a group effort, all will be lost. So what makes a team work? It's hard for a Bears fan to use a quote from a Green Bay Packers coach, but it's just too good not to use. Individual commitment to a group effort. That's what makes a team work, a company work, a society work, a civilization work, a church work, the body of Christ work. An individual commitment to the group effort. In other words, as we take our steps of faith, we've got to step Together, And if we do that, think about the possibilities. Now, again, you can step by yourself. One 
band member by themselves. Maybe it might be cool to watch a, a one-man band down the football field, uh, marching up and down. Maybe they play really, really good. Maybe they're very, very talented. Maybe it will be good. But imagine, imagine when you put the entire band out there, everyone out there, the entire marching band on the field can be powerful. Think of the strength that they have when they stand together, working as a cohesive unit, with a complete group effort, with that individual commitment. It's the same thing we've got to do as the church. Friends, we've got a responsibility. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 through 16 says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's right. The body of Christ is indeed the church. And when we really start understanding what that means, that we are to be Christ-like and and do the things that Jesus would want us to do and make it completely about him and reaching people for him, and we really put that group effort towards serving him, think about the possibilities, the power, the strength that we have when we stand together. But to do that, I think we need to look at Where is this group effort taking us? A group effort towards what, maybe? So what's the objective? Here's a group of geese, perhaps flying north or south. This time of year, we're going to see a lot of geese and other birds flying south for the winter. I know everyone's seen geese, Canadian geese specifically, flying that V formation. It's magnificent. I like to just watch them do it. It's like, wow, look at, look at the effort, the teamwork here, the group effort with a common objective. See, the, of course, the, we all know the, the aerodynamics of this. It's going to uh, uh, make it easier for the ones in the back to fly. They're going to quack or honk to kind of encourage the one in front. And when it gets tired, it'll come to the back and they'll all move up working as a unit, and when they stand uh, in that V formation together, they're less likely to be attacked by predators because it's a larger unit. But they have an objective, don't they? They need to make it south. They have a destination, a common goal that they are all seeking together. The same was true for Paul and the men on his ship. Now, look, there's a whole bunch of different people from different nationalities in different areas of life. On this ship. Again, 276 total. But the powers that be, the ones that are in charge of this vessel and the the crew and the prisoners, they decide to go to that different port. Despite Paul's warning. So what's their goal then? Well, their goal is simple. For this, their objective for this group is they want to make it to Rome. That's their long-term goal, if you will. But their short-term goal is they want to make it to the different port of Phoenix, just like the geese flying south. But what about us as Christians? What's our goal, our overall objective? Well, guys, it's the same today as it was in the beginning since Christ called out the first disciples. It's the same for us as it was for Paul. The overall objective is the same for Paul as it was for Peter and Andrew and James and John. It's the same as it will be for the newest Christians and the oldest Christians. Matthew four eighteen through 12 or also in your bulletin, Mark 1.17, both say the same thing. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. 
That's what Jesus said to Peter and Andrew out on the boat. He said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I think this summarizes our overall objective, objective as Christians. I think it gives us a, a real good idea of what our priorities should be. We have got to follow Jesus. And we've got to reach people. Being fishers of men. Without a doubt, if we follow Jesus, we should be fishing for men. And without a doubt, to fish for men for Jesus, we've got to first follow him. If we don't follow Jesus in our own lives, we can't expect to reach people for him. So we've got to keep that in mind. Is our overall goal, is our goal that you're thinking about right now as a church or as an individual Christian or our group effort, does it fit these? If not, it should. So we do this far better, though. Is following Jesus and fishing for people. We do it far better when we do it as a group. As a group effort. Because when we do it as a group effort, it'll be powerful. And just think of the strength that we can have. So I've got good news for you. This objective, like I said, it's all of ours. All of ours. From the beginning until the day that Christ comes back. So you're not alone. And that's always something that we can look at as a group effort that, uh, to me, is priceless to know that I have a church family behind me that's going to give me that encouragement, that's going to give me that extra strength, and that hopefully we can do that for each other. We're not alone. But guess what, guys? There's believers all across our country. There's believers all across our world. We're not alone. Paul also was not alone on this voyage. He, He wasn't even made to go by himself as a prisoner. He had Luke with him. That's where we get the information because Luke's writing the book of Acts. He also had another Christian man by the name of Aristarchus with him. He was from Macedonia. Both these guys could speak Greek. They're going to be better help to Paul in this situation. But besides them, there's going to be others there. The sailors, the soldiers, and the prisoners. Now, Luke and Aristarchus and Paul, their overall objective without a doubt is to follow Jesus and to reach people. But this entire group, their overall objective is to make it to Phoenix and to Rome. You're not alone. Think about the disciples. Whenever Christ first called Peter and Andrew and James and John and the rest, and we could look at the entire list, these guys were all from different walks of life. You had tax collectors. You had uh, people who were violent. Uh, maybe not violent, but would be more uh, zealous against uh, to Rome. Uh, you had people from all kinds of different areas. Different personalities, maybe different perspectives, and most certainly with different roles. And that's just the 12. The fact is, Jesus picked those 12 from amongst the larger group that was following him. What about the church today? Do we not see the same thing? Look around. We're all different. We're all from different walks of life. We're all different people with different roles to play, different responsibilities but that all fit that common goal and that common objective of following Jesus and reaching people. Just like the disciples, just like the church today, just like Hartford Christian Church, our individual commitment is what's going to make this group effort a success in serving Christ. So therefore, we each have choices to make. All of us, every single one of us. So the key, this is another quote here, Another football coach, Lou Holtz, 
uh, a Christian man. He used to coach Notre Dame. And he said the key to winning is choosing to do God's will and loving others with all you've got. I think that's a really great way to put it. So when we really decide that we are going to love others, we're going to love others in our group, and our team, in our church family. We're going to love others outside the walls of this church because we want them to know about Jesus. What does that mean? I think it means being the best teammate that you can be. So we've, got, we've got to take action, right? We can't just say, I want to be a part of this group and I want to give maximum effort. I want to, I want to reach people. We've got to understand the concept of team. We've got to understand the importance of this group effort. But us as individuals, let's be the best teammate that we can be. Would you rather play with someone who's a good teammate or someone who's not a good teammate? So what can you do then? What can we do as individuals? Good teamwork and you. Number one, we're going to examine ourselves. In other words, what does God want you to do? Specifically, as a member of his team. As we examine ourselves, let's check our motives. What's my motivation for this? Is it to follow Jesus and reach people? We should identify our own strengths and perhaps our weaknesses. Areas that we can help and really make more of an impact. We should seek input from our church family, from friends, from fellow believers. And we should also prayerfully and humbly consider the direction that God wants us to go to be a part of his team. Number two, we're going to take inventory. Take inventory of your priorities. Where are they and where should they be? Take inventory of your responsibilities right now. See, circumstances in life change, do they not? We grow older. All of you parents who brought your babies up on stage this morning, I remember when me and Amy were there, and it doesn't feel like that long ago. It wasn't, like four years, right? Uh, But time goes on. All you parents, one day your kids will leave the house, and you'll have an empty nest. Um, That's life, and I don't like to think about that too much, and I know that young parents don't, but... Some of our older congregants here can tell us that's how it works. And what about your health? That also is a circumstance in life that changes. And what about your finances? Take inventory of these things. Maybe you could do something differently now than you were doing when you were younger. Maybe it's not working with the kids anymore. Maybe it's giving more. Examine yourself and take inventory. And finally, give all you've got. Maximum effort. Do your best. Now, that's going to be between you and God. I won't know for sure if you're doing your best or not, even though I may have an opinion on it. Only you will know, and do not fool yourselves. Now, look around whenever you realize you have to do your best job, and you'll see that the needs of our church, of our community, of reaching people for Christ, they're infinite. They're endless. There's needs everywhere. And you can only do so much. But let's not let that be an excuse to avoid responsibility. We have got to give it our all when we follow Jesus and reach people. As a group, are we giving our maximum effort? I think it's something that we should consider daily. And again, it comes back down to our individual choices. They matter. Make no mistake about it. They matter. 
What we do and say as individuals affects our group effort as Christians. When we give that maximum effort, though, and we understand our individual choices matter, it's time to take action. See, maximum effort is not just saying I'm giving it my all from right here. It's also saying I'm going to do what I need to do. Take this rowing team, for example. What if one person on this rowing team decided, I'm just going to sit back and watch. I'm going to let the other guys do the work. I just want to see what happens. I'm here for moral support, and I will encourage these guys, but I'm going to pull my paddles in, and I'm just going to say, all right, guys, you keep going. Now, that might be important. That might even really urge those other guys, but they would do better if he was taking action. He was moving. Let's choose. Let's make this choice. Let's choose to move towards Jesus and take action and not let any of our parts be stopped. So when it comes to us taking group action, we've got to understand these words, all hands on deck. We need help. When it comes to our fall festival later this month, we're going to need everybody to help. That's how big we want this to be. That's what kind of success we saw last year, our very first year. All hands on deck. It's also what Paul would have heard on his voyage as they ran into the storm of epic proportions that would last for weeks. They would have needed all hands on deck helping to make sure that the ship didn't sink. They needed everyone. One of my favorites, Coach K, said, everyone on your team is important. Importance knows no rank. That's absolutely true of the church. We need everyone. Everyone, church. Everyone, friends. Everyone, family. Our objective is too important not to be on board. So Paul and company, what did they do? They called all hands on deck, and they're going to be facing this storm. Here's what they did. Let's look at the scripture. Verse, starting at verse 16. With great difficulty, we hoisted aboard the lifeboat being towed behind us. Then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. Keep going. They were afraid of being driven across to the sandbars of Sirtis off the African coast. So they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship and were driven before the wind. The next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. Now, one thing that they definitely did here, they worked together. They had no other choice. I feel the same way about our church, about the body of Christ. We have no choice. We have to work together because the objective being so great. So when storms come in our own lives, with our own faith, what do we do? Well, I think it really is a good example of what these guys did here. Let's use it to see what we should do, perhaps. When, when storms come, here's what we can do. Number one, we can reduce drag. They pulled that lifeboat up onto that ship. It wasn't going to drag them down anymore. They're still going to keep it up there in case they need it later, but let's not keep it in the water. So what are they doing? They're focusing on their faith. They're removing any hindrances. That's what we've got to do. We've got to reduce anything. We've got to get rid of it. If it's dragging us down, if it's keeping us from our goal and our objective, let's focus on Christ. Get rid of the hindrances. Even if it's difficult, get rid of them. Even if it's hard, 
What is that in your life that you are struggling getting rid of that you know is keeping you from committing to Christ, from committing to the overall objective or to the group effort? Number two, they strengthened the ship. They used the ropes. We need to strengthen. And that's something, again, that we've got to do together. Pray, study, fellowship, trust him more and more and obey him with full desire. Next, they lowered the anchors. Why? Because they knew that there were sandbars in the northern part of Africa. They were worried they were going to go into them. They were aware of where they were. Let's be aware. Be aware of our own weaknesses, of our needs, of our priorities, of the possibilities that we have as a church to serve our community and to reach people for Christ. Let's, let's be aware of our location and what works with the folks around us. Next, they're going to start throwing things overboard. Their gear, uh, some of the cargo. They lighten their load. How can we lighten our load? Let's allow others to help. Allow others to help you. Be willing to help others lighten loads. Work together. And finally, something that we can learn from them, what not to do. Don't lose hope. Remember, storms don't define us. It's how we react to them. And all of these things that we've just mentioned, all five of them, they're things that we could and should work on together, fully committed to the group effort. Lou Holtz, again, says something right along those lines. Life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you respond to it. I think we should respond together with encouragement. And Paul has encouraging news. Do not ever underestimate the power of encouragement. Don't. For each other. For, for each other's sake. For your own sake. We've got to be encouragers as Christians. I think it's vital to, to having a healthy, happy body. It's like tonight, like I mentioned before. The group effort that we could put forward to encourage RJ as he, as he preaches tonight. It's a chance for you to be a part of some group encouragement. Here's what Paul's going to do to offer that. In verse 21, he says, No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, No, wait a minute. Think about this already. No one's eaten. They're tired. They're hungry. They're grouchy. They're probably aggravated because they knew they had made a mistake. And they've lost all hope. That's where they're at. And Paul calls them together. And he'll eventually say, uh, we're skipping a little part there. He'll eventually say, take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. It's good and bad news, right? But better news. He says, for last, he's going to tell him why. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong. I love that. Do you belong? Yeah, we belong to God, to Jesus. And whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul. For you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said. Folks, do you believe God? Because I promise you, things will be just as he said. What's Paul doing, though? He's offering this encouragement. He's telling him a couple things. Number one, take courage. Take courage. You gotta understand that I believe what God's saying. Be courageous. Be courageous with your faith. And what else is he doing? He's sharing 
God's promise. Take courage. Share God's promise. Follow Jesus. Fish for men. The most encouraging news that you could ever be said or told or or, or learn is this. Jesus saves. Paul knows this. Scripture said God in his goodness granted that safety to them. I got good news. Jesus saves and our God is good. He's good all the time. That's right. All the time, our God is good. If we don't see that, if we don't see that, we'll never be able to offer the encouragement that we ought to be offering as a church family, as Christians. This responsibility that we have to be encouragers and to take action and to understand our overall objective. That's what God's told us to do. So let's let's take his advice. Let's obey him. I didn't put this verse up there, but the second part of uh, 21, verse 21, uh, the second part I skipped over it earlier because I wanted to use it now. Paul said, if you had listened to me, you could have avoided this loss. Remember, Paul said, don't go. Let's stay here in Fairhaven. We don't need to go up there. It's going to be dangerous. We're going to have trouble if we do this. Trust Paul. Trust God. If you had listened, you could have avoided the loss. Let's avoid the storms. Whenever possible, let's avoid the storms. There's no reason to go and to put ourselves into those kind of situations if we can avoid them. Not just as a church family, but as individuals. Let's avoid them. If we listen to God, we can avoid a lot of problems. If we obey him, we can avoid a lot of pain and struggles. But storms sometimes are inevitable. They are going to come in our lives no matter how hard we try to keep them away. But imagine how much easier it is when we have Christ. See, if we have to face storms, when we do, we got to face them together as a church family. It's what church family is all about, is it not? So remember this. What did, what did Paul say to the men earlier? God has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. Well, God in his infinite goodness has promised salvation to everyone who chooses to follow Jesus. Folks, I believe God. Let's follow him together. Would you please bow with me? Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so very, very much for our church, our church family, for allowing us to be the body of Christ. Help us to to do that to the best of our abilities and then some. To represent Christ in all we say and do. To understand our objective of following Jesus and reaching people for him. To understanding that we must take action and be a part of this team and to give maximum effort towards this group effort. Lord, help us to understand the responsibility that we have as a group to encourage one another, to build each other up. Lord, help us to never neglect these responsibilities, but instead to do them joyfully. Lord, help us to avoid those storms, but when we can't, to face them together, where we draw our strength completely from you. Help us to do that as a church family every day. We thank you for all the victories we've had, Lord, and we're asking that you'll use us for more. Because we understand the urgency. 
Lord, most importantly, we thank you for your son Jesus, our Savior, our Messiah, our very best friend for what he has done for us. We thank you. And in his most precious name we pray. Amen.